0: you're listening to open up the wall revelations of a renovation contractor now this is what they call a quote inspirational memoir it's about my career change from award-winning actor to the owner of my own construction company it's definitely a memoir, and throughout the 14 episodes of this podcast, you're going to meet some wonderful characters on both sides of the tool belt. This podcast is an edited version of the 27-chapter book of the same title, and it's available in e-form or hard copy. You can find out more about the book and about me, the author, Jeff Bose, on my website, www.openupthewall.com. Feel free to leave any questions or comments you may have. I'd love to hear from you. So, in Episode 8, I was running my own show, drawing up contracts, getting building permits, worrying about my choice of sub-trades, worrying about getting paid on time so that I could pay workers on time, worrying about being liked. It became clear to me that if I was going to kick my renovation into high gear and take on bigger and better projects, I would need a reliable crew of skilled professionals to back me up. Reliable was the most important part. There was some trial and error involved, but I was moving forward, feeding the family, and feeling almost on top of things. So let's meet my next clients. This is Episode 9, The Entitled. In the fall, I met with Dan and Liza, a 30-something couple who told me up front that they had received an inheritance— Enough money to renovate their kitchen and expand their living area into a shed kind of mudroom that was on the back of their house. They took a master-servant tone with me, but luckily they both worked, so I didn't see much of them. It was a mid-sized job, and I needed an extra pair of skilled hands. The obvious choice was Stan. I'd wanted to work with him again, but... I didn't know if the feeling would be mutual. It had been a couple of years since the addition of death, and even though I was calling with an offer of work, I was still anxious about reconnecting. Hi, Stan. It's Jeff. Um, I got a kitchen-bathroom-back-shed conversion that I'm going to need some help with. And um, Anyway, I was, uh, I was wondering if you were free, if, if you would be interested in doing it with me. Sure. Perfect timing. I'm not doing much these days. Just got back from a holiday. Whoa. Stan arrived with his tools and his alpha personality and pretty much took control. We worked well together, dividing the jobs between us and joining forces for the heavy lifting. I'd been working steadily for two years since the addition of death, so our skill levels were a bit more evenly balanced. Nonetheless, it was easy deferring to Stan's experience again. And it was a load off my mind not to be in charge of everybody and everything. I didn't lie awake at night worrying about how to deal with some tricky detail of the project because I knew that in the morning I could get the input of a like-minded professional before deciding on a course of action. We could consult, just like any other professional. Hey, Stan, I'm looking under the floor here and I'm not seeing much of a foundation. There's just a couple of rows of brick. So do you think we should delay putting the picture window in until I can give this window wall some more support from underneath? Yeah, this needs a lot more support. Oh, God. I guarantee that these yuppies are going to freak out at the extra cost. They don't get structure. They only get pretty. God damn, they're going to be mad at me. So what? They're all like that. Are you always like this? Yes. As soon as I say more money, things are going to change around here, especially with these two. You want to be liked too much, Stan warned. You haven't done anything wrong, so just explain the situation to them. That's the important part of your job, making everything clear for the client. That's what they're paying you for. Well, when the clients arrived home that night, I carefully explained the problem. And they tried accusing me of not anticipating the problem and hinted that we might share the extra cost. We're down to hundreds of dollars now, said Dan. I made the obvious suggestion. You could consider putting off some of the non-essential parts of your plan if you're struggling with the extra cost. I could hold off on building the wine cellar, for example. As if he were talking to an idiot... Dan asked me slowly and firmly, Then where would I put my wine? Liza unpacked groceries, including two bottles of Grey Goose vodka. Without warning, a famous ink drawing of Marie Antoinette flashed through my mind. Dan and Liza were nice enough people. They worked hard, and they consumed even harder. Theirs was the generation that had been encouraged to have it all now. Going into debt for granite countertops and high-end appliances, just like the ones on reality TV, was their way of life. And, like most first-time homeowners, the structural stuff is unsexy and too complicated to be of much interest to them. Trouble is, the structural problems are common in older homes. For the unfortunate few who have to deal with hidden surprises, this is the time when plans and budgets get revised and compromises are made. For the Dan and Liza demographic, there's no such thing as a compromise. The practical notion of saving up for something is a thing of the past. I would come to accept this as the new normal. On the second-to-last day, Stan was putting in baseboards, and I watched him painfully get up off his knees. Finally upright, he saw me looking at him. Knees are the first to go, he said. How are yours? Well, not as bad as yours. They hurt, but they still work. You still walk like an old man. At least I don't cough like an old man. I have sinus problems from all the dust. I must have inhaled an entire two-by-four in my career. Anyway, at least I don't wave at nobody. I'm not waving. I'm shaking my arms to loosen my shoulder. It helps my neck. In the reflection of the big window, I saw two middle-aged men in fine physical shape. Not two decrepit old worker guys. We only felt that way. Dan handed me a check for the final payment. It's only half, he said. I'll get the rest to you in four or five days. I hope that's okay. In my mind, I saw myself reaching over and yanking the pointy tip of his gelled hairdo. Instead, I said... You know that this is not what we agreed on, Dan. Situations like this have a way of getting nasty. For you, not for me. Hey, I'm good for it, stammered Dan. It's just that I also had to put a deposit down on the cruise this week. They didn't tell me that, so I'm short for a few days. Shit happens, right? Four days later, Dan texted that I could pick up a check at his office. I called and told him to courier it to me by the end of the day. He sounded surprised that I wouldn't want to leave work and drive over to his office to collect my late payment. These 30-somethings were a growing fascination for me because I was getting the feeling that when it came to their renovation, they were not rooted in the reality of the situation. They just wanted it to happen and to look like the pictures when it was done. They would get angry at me if my estimate exceeded their budget. They would take calls on their cell phones in the middle of a consultation with a building inspector, that sort of thing. Nonetheless, these people were becoming a huge part of the renovation business as their parents and their grandparents left the money. This group was rapidly making a name for themselves as SFBs, Spoilt Fucking Brats, or the gentler Millennials. My friend Manny felt the full impact of the SFBs and their sense of entitlement, after he put in a skylight for a couple who had just bought their first home. They complained that there was not enough sunlight coming through it, and they refused to pay him. Manny said, I don't know what more to do right for the people. It's a beautiful job. All they can say, they won't pay. So Manny, Jimmy, and I pulled up in front of the small house with a huge addition on the back, walked past two enormous SUVs on the parking pad, and Manny let us in through the front door. "'Waiting for us at the kitchen counter at the other end of the house "'was a young couple, both wearing blue suits and black shoes. "'The man wore a tie. The woman wore high heels. "'There was a laptop between them. "'No introductions were made. "'You brought some henchmen to intimidate us, Manny?' the man said. (laughs) "'We're not henchmen,' I laughed, wanting to smack him already. "'We're carpenters.' Manny asked us to come with him in case there was a language issue here. He doesn't understand why you won't pay him. The woman dramatically pecked a single key on the computer. She had sparkles on her fake nails. Up came a picture of a bathroom with a skylight with sunlight blazing through it. This is what we wanted, she said. We didn't get what we wanted. It's that simple. Manny looked around helplessly. I can give you skylight. Nobody but God give you the sun, he said. You would have known there wouldn't be sun, but you went and put the skylight in anyway. I showed you the picture, Manny. It's not what I want. The woman was clearly upset, so I knew this wasn't a con job for a free skylight. Nevertheless, I couldn't help laughing at her logic. The husband looked angrily at Manny, said, Just a minute and abruptly left the room. The wife sat like a lump staring at her computer while the three of us stood in silence. Manny nervously stroked his mustache, and then he said, Skylight, come, I'll show you the skylight. It took us down the hall to see the skylight job, where we all stood in silence looking up at it. Jimmy said, Good job. And I said, Great job. And then we made faces at Manny, trying to make him laugh. And then we went back to the kitchen and we looked out the window for a bit. Finally, the man came back with his checkbook and spoke quietly to his wife. I called Dad and he says we don't have a leg to stand on, so we have to pay him. The woman looked straight at Manny and said, Oh my God, this is so not fair! Poor Manny was cheated out of the recognition of a job well done. It's a beautiful job, he said to the woman. No leaks ever! Oh, this is so not fair! The husband put a check on the counter, glared at Manny again, and left the room. The woman stared at the computer, breathing heavily. Manny told her he was upset that she wasn't happy, but by now she was on Facebook, so we left. I couldn't put my finger on why this episode was so unnerving. As a tradesman, we were all used to being treated like third-class citizens, so it wasn't that. It was more that I was seeing the adjustment that I would have to make in the way that I did business with a segment of the population. Now I had to contend with a demographic that was used to having everything made all right for them. I had to come face-to-face with the people who spent their formative years playing non-competitive board games at Montessori schools. As Manny found out, They can turn nasty if their demands are not met, no matter what the circumstances. I had to figure out a way to have a creative, constructive business relationship with people who grew up being told that they were special. The ones who got achievement ribbons for everything they ever did. For different groups, I have different rules of engagement. For families where language might be an issue, I draw pictures of the job with prices beside them. For some cultures, I make sure to address the men only and never even glance at any women present. For contemporary yuppies, I make sure to make equal eye contact with both sexes. For older people, I follow up on the initial meeting with a phone call a couple of days later because I know that they'll be feeling overwhelmed with the reno information. These were the brief, simple rules that I'd come up with over the years just to keep everybody calm and comfortable with the renovation process. And the first rule for the entitled would be patience. I know the paint matches the sample. I know it looks the same. But I say it's different. Jesus Christ, what's the matter with you? It took me a long time to put my sense of self-worth ahead of making money. In fact, it's a constant battle forcing myself to trust the voice in my head that says, you're walking into a quagmire of mistrust and resentment that no amount of money will make worthwhile. Get out now. Penny the realtor called me with a typical set of circumstances. Her baby boomer clients are now empty nesters, and they're going to sell the family home. They want way more than the house is worth because nothing has been done to the place since they moved in 30 years ago. I can't guarantee they'll follow through on any of my suggestions, said Penny. They're quite, um, high maintenance, but they've agreed to have you come and price a new kitchen. They're having a life crisis about dipping into their nest egg. Oh, how old are they? Um, kind of your age, kind of hippie era. I thought you'd be a good fit for them. Thanks. The house was in the Birkenstock part of town where bearded college professors chained their bikes to the porches of their Victorian homes. I stepped over a for-sale sign face down on the front porch. Boomers in transition, I thought to myself, going through hell, parting with a family home, pulling the house off the market in tears, and then putting it back on the market in tears. The antique brass door ringer didn't work, so I knocked on the refinished pine door. A dream catcher moved in the door's window, and a bearded face appeared in its place. The man looked me up and down, and then he opened the door. All he said was, Yes? I identified myself and handed him my card. He barely looked at it before thrusting it into the pocket of his striped cardigan. So you're the big expert, are you? asked the man, and then he laughed, as if to indicate that his remark was really a joke. (laughs) Well, I'm here to see if I can help, I said. For a price, of course. Mm -hmm. And he laughed that stupid laugh again. In the face of such a remark, I abandoned pleasantries and stood watching the wind chimes on the porch until he got uncomfortable. Wait while I get my wife. Leaving me outside, the man headed down the hall. A skinny Siamese cat came from the kitchen, froze when it saw me, and let out that awful Siamese cat-yowl that passes for a meow. "'Don't let the cat out!' screamed a woman's voice, and the cat yowled again. The man scurried back, scooped up the noisy pet, and stood behind me in the open doorway as a tall woman in a long skirt came clinking down the stairs. Only when she snatched the cat from the man did I see that the clinking sound came from a collection of bracelets on her right arm. And you are? she said. I'm the contractor who has a 5 p.m. appointment with Mr. and Mrs. Stibbard. Well, we're the Stibbards, obviously. Nice to meet you, I lied. I'm Jeff. Your husband has my card. Mr. gave Mrs. the card, who tossed it onto the table without even looking at it. Mrs. Stibbard said, and you're going to try and sell us a new kitchen. Or so Penny thinks, anyway, said Mr. Stibbard, and laughed the sorry I was born laugh again. (laughs) Penny is young and beautiful, which can be construed as inexperienced and flighty by some of her clients. That's when she calls me, old worker guy, to back her up. If Penny can get a mistrustful client to understand the importance of home upgrades in a competitive real estate market, and if I can give them a dollar amount that will work with their budget, then everyone can remain calm and profit from the very trying process of selling a beloved home. We don't have to like each other. We just have to get along for a little while. And boy, was I having trouble getting along with the Stibards. For me, it's really disheartening to see people of the Woodstock generation forget where they came from and turn greedy and unkind. So when I saw the kitchen they were insisting was just fine as it was, I spoke more candidly than diplomatically. Penny's right, I said. This kitchen looks dirty. Even if it had just been scrubbed clean, it is so worn out it still looks grungy. Also I can see water damage on the counter under the hot tap and the smell of incense here is probably masking a smell of mildew. Mrs Stibbard fixed her gaze on me and nodded her head vigorously making her dangling earrings tinkle. That's what Penny said exactly what Penny said. "Yucks," said Mr Stibbard. <laughs> Mrs Stibbard pushed the cat at Mr Stibbard and said "Shut up, Tick." And then in a somewhat threatening way for a woman of her age, she moved very close to my face and said, This is a serious question, and I want a serious answer out of you. What is your involvement in this real estate deal? I'm not used to being talked to like that, I said, taking a step back. But because of my involvement with Penny, I will explain the situation. Oh, my God, cried Mr. Stibbard. You're involved with Penny? Shut up, Tick, shouted Mrs. Stibbard. The cat yowled again from Mr. Stibbard's arms. Stop shouting, shouted Mr. Stibbard. You made Ringo scratch me. Oh, for Christ's sake, Tick, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. Mr. Stibbard put down the cat and shot back. So am I. You don't think I have questions, too? And then he did his laugh again. What are you talking about? You have shown absolutely no interest in getting us out of here. I have done everything. Yes, yes, because you you just take over. That was my cue. I'll be outside, I said. I have to make a call. Stay there. Panted Mrs. Stubart, my husband has some questions for you. Go ahead and ask your questions, Tick. You have questions, so ask them. Was there something about the moving company? Because I've already organized everything. Was it about the legal and the land transfer? Because I've already organized that, too. The woman was gasping for breath. The cat would not shut up, and Tick was looking frightened. With her chest heaving inches from my own, she panted, I want to know your involvement in this house sale. "'You are obviously the one to benefit from Penny's scheme "'to make us build a new kitchen, "'and I think there's a scam at work here. "'Am I right? How does it work? How does it work? "'Do you split the take with Penny?' "'Whoa, I was more alarmed by the woman's labored breathing "'than by her accusation. "'I can call the police, you know.' "'Tick moved towards his wife. Amber, soften, soften. "'I will not! "'Can't you see what's going on here? "'You don't know anything!' Of the myriad weird situations that a tradesman encounters when meeting people in their homes, watching a couple yell at each other face to face is probably the most unnerving. Typically, a couple will excuse themselves from the room, and I listen to a whispered argument full of sharp consonants. Keep your voice down! Then stop being so stupid! As long as they aren't discussing me, I find a whisperer is pretty funny, but... I'm uncomfortable with the eye-rollers who react to their partner's ideas by looking at me and rolling their eyes. Even harder to take are the signers who slip behind their partner and wave at me, mouthing no, or mime-slitting their throats. If the eyes are the window to the soul, surely somebody in the room can see how troubled my soul is watching a person devalue their partner while I stand passively by. Anyway, when Mrs. Stibbard's breathing had returned to normal, I said... If you don't want a new kitchen, you don't have to have one. Penny will simply list your house as a fixer-upper, and it will sell for less than the upgraded homes on your street. I'm only here to give you a price on how much the recommended upgrades to your house would cost. Penny would then discuss with you if such a renovation investment would have a profitable return. At this point, there are no costs involved. Oh. Oh. (laughs) However, "'You have such resistance to this whole idea "'that I see no point in wasting all our time "'by continuing with an estimate.' "'Oh. Oh. (laughs) "'Good luck with the sale,' I said from the hall table, "'where I made a show of retrieving my card "'and putting it back in my wallet. "'Mrs. Stibbard followed, "'and she shut the door behind me, "'saying in a too-loud voice, "'What a horrible man!' "'Penny was anxious that I had jeopardized her listing.' until I bet her $100 that the Stibbards would never go for a new kitchen. My certainty seemed to reassure her, but being young and ambitious, she had trouble with the notion of turning down a job. The jobs come and go, I said, so why would I choose to spend a couple of weeks enduring the anxiety and the resentment of creepy people like the Stibbards when I don't actually need to? Oh, come on, we all put up with clients we don't like. This is business. It's part of the job. Yeah, but I don't handle that kind of dismissive disrespect too well anymore. I used to, but as you will find out, my young colleague, it gets harder to take until one day, one job, one client. The cost is just too great, and you have to take your life back. By the way, Mr. Stibbard thinks we're involved I said something about my involvement with you, and he took it to mean, like, involved, involved. (gasps) Ew! Yeah, you might want to clear that up. No doubt! Ew! The Stibards had more or less invited me to reject them. Sometimes the decision to walk away comes flying from my gut before I can even call it an informed decision. Anyway, turning down work is always a calculated risk. Because if nothing comes up to fill that time slot, there'll be a few of us out of work. It's hard to explain to a crew that was counting on a job that I turned it down because it just didn't feel right. My biggest fear in a situation like that is that they'll get work from someone else and it'll be hard for me to get them back into the fold.